Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. I'm J.A. Lovelock, a barrister, an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. In this episode of Behind the Yellow Tape, I sit down to have a chat with Detective Sergeant Janet Hills to learn something about her life and her experience as a police officer and the role she played as a detective sergeant with the Metropolitan Police Force. First of all, um, please accept my congratulations on your recent MBE. How do you feel about that? Seriously, it's such a fantastic feeling knowing that people in the community and colleagues put their time out writing for me to be awarded the MBE. Um, I'm really humbled by it, if I'm honest, and it feels really good. So tell us about mm-hmm. yourself. Where did you start? <laughs> so I, I was... Brought up in Croydon, a little place just outside the town, outside London, local Croydon. Um, so I was born and bred there. My parents are Windrush generation, even though my mum declares that she didn't come over on no boat. She came over on the British Overseas Airways uh, plane. So, um, but obviously during that time, brought up with a single parent. My mum was a single parent who brought us up, which was fantastic. There were five of us living Um, at home I've got an older brother and an older sister and then a younger brother and a younger sister and I'm the middle child and then I've got a brother in Jamaica who's never been to the UK so yeah just most of my life in fact all of my life has been spent in Croydon actually Um, I, I myself am married I have a daughter and I'm a grandmother I call myself a Janma um, of a two-year-old boy called Noah so yeah my daughter's a district nurse she's 37 and uh, she's a district nurse so um we're both in that profession of public service now i want to ask you now because i'm thinking about your career path and we'll talk about that in a minute but were you a goody two shoes when you were a girl (laughs) it depends on (laughs) it depends on who you ask actually i I would say I would definitely say yes, I was, but I'm sure there are people that would tell you a story or two. Um, And actually, my middle name is Trouble, so um, you can decide decide for yourself. But I I thought I was a bit of a goodie teacher. And to be fair, I think I was quite naive growing up. I wasn't exposed to a great deal growing up. So, um, yeah, I've been learning my whole life's journey is one of learning all the time. Which brings me on to you joining the police service. Why did you join? Was it something that happened? Yeah, someone hit me over the head. No, I'm joking. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, on a, on a, on a re- real note, um, actually there was a number of different reasons. Uh, firstly, my brother, my older brother was in the police service. That was a big influence for me, him being in. Uh, the other thing was I was on the buses at the time 
So I had been a bus conductor, bus driver, and I was a revenue inspector. And a lot of the revenue um, work was around getting onto buses and checking tickets. And we used to do joint operations with the police at that time. So again, it was it was getting to know how the police function because you'd go into a police station, you'd write your statement and do all that kind of stuff. So there was a, a number of influences there. Um, a group of those revenue inspectors left um, from my team to join the police. And they said, look, why don't you join? And I was like, oh, I don't know about it. But um, yeah, I made I made the sort of decision to go based on having you know my brother that was in the force and then people that I knew or worked with who were leaving to join. So yeah, it was a combination. Now you're a black lady and I remember a time, there was a time when if a black person joined the police, they were ostracized by their family and maybe even the community. Was that your experience or not? No, um, don't get me wrong. I think people were a bit sort of skeptical about joining, but I think based on my personality, people were saying like, well, we thought you would have joined ages ago. Um, so I think the people around me in particular and, and having a brother that was in the force, it, it, it wasn't that bad. I didn't get, I didn't get that much heat is what I'll say. Um, I joined in 1991 and I was posted to Brixton Police Station. So, you know, I'm a Croydon girl and back then the two places were quite different in terms of demographic. And, you know, when I went to Brixton, it was a little bit of an eye opener for me in terms of the amount of black people I saw, because I'd never seen so many black people I know, I, I in, mean, in one place. I know. The first time I went to Brixton, I, I had that same experience. I thought, oh, my goodness, where am I? Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. It was like, whoa. Yeah, who knew? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, for me, it, it was, um, uh, you know, a bit of an eye opener. So when I when I my first day when so we we did two weeks street duties which was just familiarizing ourselves with the area with the sort of things that we'd be doing on a day-to-day -day basis so out of training school we we stayed with our with the, the students that we were in training school with and we did a two-week um street duties program where um you know we, we were just indoors and then they let us outside to do our first patrol. And I always remember that first patrol walking down and the amount of people that just said hello to me. I'm there in my uniform walking down Brixton High Road and the amount of black people that just said hello to me and were really, really nice. Um, my, my white colleague said to me, she said, do you know all these people? And I was like, no, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> That's how welcome I was made yes. to feel. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. it was really yeah. good. Yeah, that's great. Because then I was going to ask you, can you recall your first assignment? What was the first your first assignment? So I think my first assignment was um, theft of pedal bike. Uh, I I it was on Brixton Hill, and someone had reported someone else taking their pedal bike, and they'd seen it sort of like being wheeled along uh, so you know I turned up uh, to deal with that and yeah it was very confusing because I was like 
both parties seemed plausible, you know. I was like, well, has he stolen it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or is he sort of like mistaken the bike to be, you know, his bike? So in the end, I seized the bike. <laughs> um, I didn't make any arrests, but I did seize the bike and basically said that they needed to come to the police station to with a you know proof that it was their bike to get it returned. And I didn't arrest, but I was told that I should have done, but hey, you know, there'll be another time, I I thought. Your first time, <laughs> really, wasn't it? It was your first time. It was, it was like I didn't, I didn't really know. <laughs> Should I arrest him? Should I not? I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, mm, do I? Don't I? Yes. Yeah. What's What's one of the worst things about being um, a police officer? Yeah. You know, I think it's going to vary for different people, but for me, I, I guess you know, it's 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 the upset that actually comes with the job. You know, some of the emotional things that you have to deal with in life. You know knowing that a young person's life has been taken is always, you know, quite heart-wrenching, actually, even though, you know, it's not my child, you still feel the pain for the parents and the family. So in that regard, you know, those are some of the worst um, incidents that I've dealt, dealt with in, in, when it comes to young people. You know, it's really quite an emotional area. Um, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be through violence. It could be sort of like just a, a, a baby, basically, that's died from cop death that you're having to go and report on, which, again, it's quite emotional, you know. So I think that that for me is one of the toughest parts of the job. Now, you have risen to the position of detective sergeant. What challenges, if any, did you face along the way? So I, I'm, so just in terms of the ranking, I'm on the first run. So you, you start as a PC and then you take promotion to become a sergeant. And then after that, you've got inspector and then the ranks go up. So I'm only on the first run. And to be fair, I left it really late to make that decision. So I had been in policing for about 15 years before I actually decided that I was going to become a sergeant, which if I could go back and do it again, I would absolutely have started earlier and probably gone further. But that's in hindsight. As it was, it was it was challenging to get here. And I think part of that challenge to a degree is is being in that sort of male space. It's 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 a still quite a male dominated job. And if you think when I joined back in 1991, um, it was very much like that. Women were still not, you know, requiring the respect that they needed to, to do that job. So in that regard, it was quite challenging. There were things it was felt that we couldn't do. So, you know, if there was a public order incident, it would be the men first. Um, but yeah, if it was a child that needed taken into say police protection you'd send the women when actually the men were more likely to have had the children and would be better dealing with them so you know in terms of that you know there were gender challenges coming through but what there was also was the fact that I was a black female um coming through uh, which 
again, was a really, it was difficult in so much that it was harder to prove. So as a woman, you can sort of prove the sort of issues that you're going through in terms of the way you're being treated. When you're black, not so, not unless it's really sort of in your face, you know, someone's name calling or, you know, something's really quite deliberate. So in terms of that, uh, I had being black and being a female, which gave me double challenges um, with regards to being a police officer. What kept you going? Uh, that's a really good question. I think part of it was, I guess, my own conviction when I started policing that I was going to remain authentic to who I am and not let this sort of organisation take over because it's so easy when you want to fit in that you then sort of like assimilate into the culture. So I guess part of like who I am today is the fact that when I went in, I was determined to remain authentic. Uh, and, you know, I feel to a degree, I think there's been some change, don't get me wrong, but I think in terms of me thinking back to, you know, achieving, remaining true to myself, you know, keeping good friends, keeping, you know, family, having a lot of really sort of core basic issues, you know, basics around who I am um, have kept me sort of like going strong. I've still got a lot of my friends from when I was at school, uh, if not more actually, uh, you know, now that I'm sort of like, you know, 30, 30 years on. Now, as we said, you've recently been awarded the MBE for services to policing and community relations. Can you mm. tell us about that? So my role as the chair of the Metropolitan Black Police Association, part of what we do, we, we have um, our aims and objectives and we have four strands. So the strands are around recruitment, retention and progression. Um, the E is about effective, uh, effective community engagement. And the um, P is about police powers and the use of police powers. And the S is about support. So it spells out reps. So it's how we kind of remember, so four strands. Um, in terms of what we do in all of those strands, there is an element of community engagement. So even though we've got community engagement as a specific strand, within our recruitment strand, we are engaging with our communities around, you know, joining the police service. Uh, in terms of police powers, we're engaging with our communities around things like stop and search and disproportionality that we know exists. And then in support, we are supporting our community. So, in fact, the community strand runs through all of what we do. So it's a really big thing for us. And then I think policing anyway has a real like big drive around community engagement. You know, we can't do our jobs without engaging with our community. So it's a really good thing. And, you know, when I was the national president, so I was national president of the National Black Police Association from 2015 to 2017. 
we did a lot of work there in terms of, you know, the Windrush was just coming out in terms of the rumblings around there. So we did a lot of community engagement there with um, families and people that just wanted to, you know, be reassured around some of the things that could happen to them. Uh, we've done community engagement with um, our young people. So one of our members does a, it's called Kickoff at Three, where he engages young people in a football tournament nationally. So it started locally in London, but now it's run nationally. You know, a lot of what we do is about engagements. We go to schools, we give talks. So a lot of what we do is driven around our community engagement, which allows, I guess, for members of the public from our community to have a voice internally. Because in terms of some of the challenges, it's, it's you know, not everyone will go out and make a complaint, you know, to the independent office of police complaints or come into the police station. And sometimes, you know, raising those issues internally with the right person can get them resolved. So, you know, we do a lot of community engagement. That's quite interesting, actually. So for someone listening to this, as people will be listening to this, this, this podcast, um, policing is not just about arresting people and getting people off the jail and getting them. It's, there's, there certainly is more to it that, you know, than that. And as um, I'm sure you'll appreciate that the police force generally don't have a particularly positive image with the general public and particularly with the BAME communities. How do you combat that? So again, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one in terms of some of these issues were around before I was even born. And, you know, places like Brixton, Tottenham, some of the inner city places, have got a legacy of, um, you know, troubled sort of police and community engagement. And in terms of being able to understand and resolve that, there needs to be an acknowledgement of those issues. So in terms of policing London, you know, I feel that officers, regardless of where they're from, because remember, I came from Croydon, but I didn't know anything about Brixton. Uh, but I feel that, you know, regardless of where you're from, if you are going to be in the police service, you need to understand the communities that you serve. You need to be able to Google it. You need to be able to have maybe an internal archive that allows you to research the police and community relations that they've been there. They won't always have been bad or, you know, issues there. So it's it's really important that you understand the community that you serve, because in terms of like, so I went to Brick Lane um, a couple of years ago for the first time, and I did a bit of a history walk down there. And it's interesting to know how many times it's changed hands in terms of different communities that have lived there. And this is no different. If you're coming in to police your community, you should at least understand where your community has come from, where they're mainly based, what sort of communities you have, you know, and how you engage with them in order to build the trust, to build the confidence and to give reassurance around, you know, policing matters when they arise. And how do you feel um, 
how you make a difference? How do you, how do you think you make a difference? So I guess in terms of my difference, I think it's about my lived experience and it's about how I can influence some of the sort of policy and some of the decisions that are, are made in terms of how things are perceived. Because it, as you know, there's always two sides to every story. So in terms of my own lived experience uh, around being a police officer, and then when I'm not a police officer, as in, you know, I'm just Janet Hills on the road, that actually that there's another different experience for me. So when I'm a police officer, it's observed that I'm a police officer and you get treated a certain way. Then when you're not a police, potentially because people don't know that you're a cop, yeah, because you're still black, um, you get treated a different way. So it's about bringing all of that together and, and trying to influence some of the policy. As I said, in terms of, you know, knowing London, I think that's key. You know, we it's a really big force. You've got 40,000 plus um, people working for the Metropolitan Police Service. And if you've got people coming from all over the country, you know, Northern Ireland, Scotland, um, to police it, then they should know, you know, the communities which they're there to police and not be left to have their own sort of stereotypes, I guess, of, you know, what they've seen in the media, what they've read in the newspaper, that kind of thing. So I think there is a job of work to be done for policing. And this is where I guess I would try to influence. It's like, you know, what are we doing to educate those officers that potentially have not engaged with, you know, diverse communities before, you know, and this is their first time coming to London and they're in a role that is about community engagement, you know. So, you know, there are some good things now. I know that um, this has been introduced in terms of new officers starting this year who will be getting um, sort of like London is a, a sort of like input around communities of London and, you know, the sort of history so that they've got that to go with. I think there should be something further when they get to their, their boroughs that they're able to get research specifically bespokely their boroughs in terms of any of the issues that have been there so that they have a better understanding of what's going on. And I guess for me, it's about bringing in, you know, in terms of my influence, it's about bringing in a different view, which potentially others wouldn't have because they're not coming from sort of like my own lived experience. And because we've always done it a certain way, we continue to do it that way. So I guess mine is about influencing where I can. And what is the best thing um, for you in being a police officer? What's the best thing? <laughs> <laughs> I never really. What is the best thing? I think you know. I guess when because I'm due to retire this year, thirty years of policing. Wow! And I guess to a degree, it's like what will I miss? Mm. Um, I've I've had I've I've had a good time. Is what I'll say. I've learned, as I said at the beginning, my life journey is one about learning, and I have learned so much that I will take away. Uh, from policing. So I started in 1991 and I have worked in so many different areas of policing, things that you wouldn't even expect. So everyone thinks about policing as being frontline officers in uniform, but there is so much more behind that. And, you know, one of the best 
things that I did in policing was I actually got to work in Jamaica for, I think it was about two months. There was an inquiry going on over there around um, a murder. So it was um, officers over there had shot at civilians and they'd been killed. And the then prime minister asked for police from the UK to help to investigate it. And I was one of the officers that was sent over. So that was really, really eye-opening and a great experience in learning that actually a lot of our legislation in Jamaica is mirrored from the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of this sort of, like the caution that we'd use when we arrest someone, they have a similar caution um, and then the different cautions that they have for different things. So there was so much that I learned from them that and then allowed for me to bring back to the UK and then to influence my own policing but yeah I've done I've done I've done a lot I've done a lot and I've I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed it overall and I will I will miss it. Janet Hills Detective Sergeant MBE thank you so much for being my guest on Behind the Yellow Tape thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcasts.com. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people, to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com <laughs>